Good evening and welcome to another episode of It's a Talk. I am Sasha, your host, and tonight we're getting into the topic of being the best. Why do you want to be the best? Have you ever sat down to consider why you strive to be the best? Is it even God's desire for his children? We'll talk about it tonight and more on It's a Talk. Welcome to another episode of It's a Talk. It is our third episode tonight. I am so excited. We are really on the ball and we've been keeping it rolling. Um, I'm so thankful to God to help me to um, continue to do these talks because when I tell you getting started was probably the hardest thing for me. So we know that this particular podcast, this particular live is completely geared towards the young and the literally lit. And so when we say we're young and literally lit, we're literally lit because we're lit with the light of Jesus Christ. And we make no, um, we're unashamed about it. Like we make no mistake about it. Like, yes, I love God and I'm living for God. And I'm really trying to figure this thing out. So, you know, a lot of us who log on are in our 20s and 30s. And this is this. This is the space for us. This is the space where we get to just talk about the things that matter to us most. And I think that one thing that I really want us to jump into is in our striving. So the question for tonight is doing your best or being the best? Like what is God's standard? Is God asking us to do our best or is he asking us to be the best? And the reason why I wanted to talk about that is because today, 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 when we look at the world around us, Everyone wants to be the best. And when we talk about being the best, I think that sometimes we get into this race against, you know, the clock to be the best because of recognition and wanting to be a winner and being a boss and wanting to be killing it in the game that if we're not careful, we will burden ourselves with the expectations of man and with the expectations of the world so much so that we're not able to fulfill the desires that God has for our lives. And so tonight, again, we're talking about doing your best or being the best and what truly is the standard. And so I brought up this topic because, again, like I said, I think that when you're young and literally lit, like as, as a child of God, you already know that there's this ongoing battle that's happening between the carnal mind and the mind of Christ in each of us. And so each of us, as we continue to seek God's face and pursue the things that we know that God has for us, we're always asking ourselves like, okay, am I in God's will? And I know that's like a really big question that I ask myself, like literally for the simple things, like, should I drink this? Excuse me, drink this can of soda right now. Is that the will of God? And I know it sounds really small and stupid, but we really do be wanting to be in the will of God. And so when we talk about where we are in life, I just truly think that it is such a harsh time for the children of God wanting to be successful and wanting to make our Heavenly Father proud and then having desires, right? And there's nothing wrong with, you know, having natural desires because God, excuse me, because God has given us some of the desires, excuse me, desires that we do have. I'm having tongue twisters. For now, but anyway, um, but there's nothing wrong with having desires, but we really do again have to measure those desires according to the word of God. Like, is it God's will for me to be pressed about certain things? And so a lot of us are in our careers and we're, you know, taking up these platforms and wanting to 
be the light of Christ in the earth so that, you know, men would look upon our good deeds and glorify our father in heaven. So then we get this notion of wanting to be the best. And I think it's only fair to even have that discussion or that even be an issue for the, you know, young and literally lit person, because it's everywhere. When you think about Clothing companies, every clothing company wants to be the best. Every restaurant wants to be the best. The gas station that's on the corner wants to be the best gas station. Like that jean company wants to be the best jeans you ever bought. And so then we're thrown into this environment where you're told if you are not the best, then you're not good at all. And that is. I truly do believe is a lie from hell, like all the way, all the way, all the way, all the way. Because when you think about how differently that God has made each and every one of us, we have different preferences and desires and different aspects of ourselves that we can't even change. Um, let me take that back because I was going to say like our bodies and things like that. Well, we know that people out here changing bodies now and, you know, hey, do your thing. I am not going to judge nobody. Um, but when you think about it, for the most part, who we are in our personhood is literally what we were brought into. Like I have lengthy arms. I have lengthy legs. Some people have shorter legs or shorter arms or whatever. Some people like bright colors. Some people like, you know, the whole monotone color scheme. Whatever it is, we all have our different preferences, excuse me, preferences and for different reasons. And then so then we're told that we have to be the best. And how can you be the best if people have different preferences and I'm going to bring up the scripture because this is something that me and one of my friends were talking about earlier. Like the Bible tells us that our gift will bring, um, will excuse me, make room for us and bring us before great men. So then if your gift makes room for you and brings you before great men, and if that scripture is written to all the children of God, so then how could I ever assume that I need to be the best at anything? If all the children of God are called to do something in some capacity, and we know that we do share similar gifts, because when you think about the gifts of the spirit that are available to all God's children and all of us being different parts of the body. I mean, there are so many, I mean, there are also many body parts, but then again, like how many of us are called to be the hands? How many of us are called to be the feet? How many of us are called to be the neck, the eyes, the mouth, the nose, you know, whatever different aspects of the body. And so there are aspects of our personhood that are similar to others that we do have similar traits with. But then if you're the best at being the hands and I'm also the hands, does that mean that I'm good for nothing just because I'm the hands, you're the hands and you're striving to be the best and I'm striving to be the best. And so I want Wanted us to have this conversation because how do I take up the mind of Christ in my everyday life as a young believer and not be tripped up on these lies that society or you know the world system is like really trying to bring us into and cripple us so I think about um, the different again we we're talking about the different giftings and things like that in the body of Christ and you have to think okay God has given you a vision um, for many of us we've been given like assignments by God things that we are called to do there are different singers in the body of Christ let's talk about worship for example there are different worshipers in the body of Christ people who lead us into worship and help us to um, enter into the presence of God I won't even say enter into the presence of God because truly like he is everywhere and because he dwells on the inside of us, we're not trying to bring God's presence anywhere. I know I'm going off on a little caveat here, but we're not at no given time are we trying to 
conjure up the presence of God. It's not even like that. More so, it's that we worship and we praise his name so that we become more aware of his presence, so that our fleshly mindset can decrease so that the spirit of Christ in us would increase and so that we can be more in tune with the presence of God who is already here in our midst. Okay, anyway, so we're talking about knowing that different people have the gift of helping us, helping us bring helping to bring us into the awareness of God's presence through um, song and worship so then if we know that God is bringing us into um, or if we know that different people have the gift of worship then how can you be the best worshiper like it doesn't even make sense when there are multiple worshipers or where there are multiple people who are given that gift or that ability um, that call of God on their life and so here we are if I'm trying to be the best worshiper and I'm out here because God has given me the assignment of creating an album and you're creating an album and I'm over here trying to compete with you on and not necessarily maybe intentionally compete with you but if I'm telling myself that I have to be the best album on the planet do I have the mind of Christ when I'm going into pursuing the thing that God has called me to pursue or if you think about God giving you a business idea and you want to start a clothing line. Do you need to be the best clothing line in order to be successful? So essentially the question is, what good is it to be the best when God is calling me to be obedient to his plan and to his purpose, to not be competitive or to be, what's the word, not to compare, not to be comparing what he's given me to the thing that he's given to the next person to run my own race and then to have faith in the thing that he called me. Oftentimes, I think that we get stuck in our pursuit of God's will for our life and being obedient to the call of God on our lives because we're told that if we're not the best, then it's not worth it. And oftentimes, we forget that everyone has an audience of their own. Everyone has an audience of their own. Some people like Coke. Some people like Pepsi. Hello, I am ginger ale, and I don't like all ginger ale. Like, there are certain ginger ales that are just a little too weak for your girl. I'm more so like the Canada Dry over the other one. Hey, I mean, but then again, someone else may say, no, nah, that's not my favorite ginger ale. Is that person wrong? No, that is their preference. And so... I want us to talk about where do we even get the notion of being the best. I truly do believe that part of the idea of wanting to be the best is being built up in pride. And we know that pride always precedes the fall. And so when you think about where, where do we get this idea from wanting to be the best and discrediting ourselves if we're not the best or discrediting others for not being the best? When you think about who struggled with pride, like in history, we're talking about Satan himself. So Satan was a worshiper in, I mean, and we're not going to say Satan, but he was the angel um, Lucifer. And he was given the task of being a worshiper in heaven. And so literally from his body flowed worship music. Like the Bible tells us that just by him raising his hands, um, just by him raising his hands, excuse me, worship flowed from him. And so then he rose in pride and said it wasn't enough for him to be a worshiper. He wanted to be worshipped. Like, does that make like, oh my gosh, that's so crazy. So you started off with the with a gift and then somehow from having a gift you figured that it wasn't enough to have a gift that you needed to be worshiped and glorified 
for the gift that you had. So now because God gave you an ability and because you have gotten this warped thought on what it means to be successful or to have success or to be great, you now feel that you have to get glory for the thing that you're doing in order for you to be content. And when we think about the motive behind wanting to be the best, it is all for esteem. It's because we want to be acknowledged. It's because we want to be seen. We want someone to look at us and admire us. And then if we think about it as the children of God, because we're not just talking as regular folk. No, we are the children of God in today's day and age trying to walk this thing out. How sensible is it when we think about God's word and God's expectations that we say, I want to be the best. Like it doesn't even line up with what God declares as successful because if God has called all his children and we all have a different facet of the gifts that are, you know, that represent who God is in his children and in the body of Christ, then it's okay if I have my own spin and flavor on a similar gift that you have or in a similar calling that you may have. But it's going to be completely different because there are certain people that God has called to me and there are certain people that God has called to you. There are certain people that God wants another person to minister to that I may, may never cross paths with. So if I'm over here fighting to be the best, then... I have a skewed perspective because then I'm no longer thinking about, okay, how can I be successful in the realm that God has given me? And I'm thinking, oh, I have to do what such and such does, but better because I need to be better than the next person. And so I wanted us to cover some scriptures today because when I, I went and did this study and I said, okay, God, like if we're talking about best, I really had to understand what the Bible said on being the best. And it's so funny because the Bible rarely talks anything about the best. It's more like this understanding of the standard that God calls us to. And God is not necessarily calling us to be the best so much as he's calling us to do our best. And so let's just start reading some of these scriptures on the things that really is a standard of God for our life. So Colossians 3, 23 and 24 says this. It says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. And so even in this particular scripture, it says, whatever you do, work with your whole heart as for the Lord. It doesn't say to be the best. And so the standard here, if we go back to the scripture, it says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, the standard is that you are doing your best for God and not for man. And so therefore, if you're not doing it for man, then you can't even bring comparison into it. So then when you think about wanting to be the best and what that entails, if you're being the best, that means you have to go and investigate what everybody else is doing and then one up them to be the best. And so then that automatically takes us out of the scripture here because you're not supposed to be checking for nobody else. You're not supposed to be looking at the work of other people and comparing. It says, whatever you do, work with your whole heart as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. Bow. Let's talk about that. It says, knowing that the reward is what? The title of being the best is the reward, getting an award for being the best. No, it says you have to know that your reward is going to come from the inheritance that God will bring. I look at like life right now and to be honest with you, I think about how we're all driven to want to be the best and I don't even think that it's something that 
we just desire on our own. I think that it's just so many of the influences around us drive us to, to have a desire to want to be the best. Like that we have the world Guinness records of whatever. And so it's just like you go into this book and you say, oh, because I want to be known for blank. Let me find out the last person who did it. And I'm going to do it better than them, faster than them, longer than them, more than them, whatever. And so right here it says knowing that your reward is your inheritance from the lord how is it that we can then say we want to be the best and still be walking in the will of god it really doesn't add up because our reward comes from our inheritance from the lord and so when we say that we want like all these accolades from man we're automatically taking ourselves out of, okay, I'm working as unto the Lord. I'm working for these people because I need them to know that, you know, although I have this gift, like this gift is the best that they'll ever see. This is the best fried chicken you're going to ever have. This is the best seasoning you're going to ever have. And what if you don't like seasoning on your food? Some people can't even take seasoning like some people don't like spicy food so then you're gonna say that your chicken is the best just because it's spicy and then this other chicken that is mildly flavored it may be the standard or the preference for this particular group of persons or you know you're the way you do things may be uh, someone else's preference for that particular person but in, in no way shape or form does the best give opportunity for everyone to work as unto the lord without expecting to receive some sort of recognition from man. Okay, let's talk about 2 Timothy 2 and 15. It says, do your best to present yourself to who? To God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. It says you ought to present yourself to God. And so if you're presenting yourself to God, then you can't be focused on presenting yourself to man. And so then therefore, wanting again to be the best like how does that fit into you presenting yourself to God because let me tell you God speaks to each and every one of us specifically even though we're called we may be called to do similar things God may have a way um that he's calling me to do something that he may not ask you to do it in that way because he knows that you and I are two completely different people the Bible says that man makes his plan but God ordains his steps and how many of us can look at even the relationships that we have with some of our closest friends, maybe friends that we've made in church, people that are the closest to us spiritually or people that we've been friends with for years, our family members, even our parents, the call can be similar. And then you'll realize that, oh, but there's this roundabout way that God brought me to this word, or there's this roundabout way that God brought me to this revelation that sounds similar to yours, but it was different because it may have happened at a different time or with a different understanding, with different revelation for whatever purpose, because God needed to speak to that person specifically in a way that he knew that they would understand differently to me and so again unto God's standard which God speaks to each one of his children differently what is the best and for parents who have multiple children you can attest to this you can't even parent your children the same way because your children have different personalities like I'm going to give you an example me and my sister are like night and day we are a lot of we excuse me we are a lot alike we have a lot of the same personality traits overall overarching personality traits because we come from the same mother same father but when you look at us as like persons like everyone will tell you me and my sister are so different like she is a tough cookie. And when we were growing up, she was the one who wanted to do what she wanted to do. She was very like strong willed. 
and you couldn't talk her out of certain things. And if she had made up her mind that she was going to do something, whether it was right or wrong, like you were not going to stop her. On the other hand, when I was growing up, baby girl, baby boy, like I was that child. I followed the rules because I don't like no weapons. I didn't like getting hit. And so there were things that my sister was willing to test the waters with that I just wasn't because your girl was not trying to get no weapons. I was out here lying for my sister so that she wouldn't get in trouble because I just couldn't even take like the confrontation like that would happen, you know, when my mom would be like, oh, why didn't you do this? Or why did you do that? Like, no. And so it's so interesting because again, God deals with us differently. And so Again, the same way that my mom would ask me to do certain things, she would speak to my sister a completely different way because she knew that she had to relate to her differently. So again, and let's talk about that. Me and my sister are my mother's children. My sister is in the healthcare industry. I am in, I don't know what industry y'all, because y'all know I'm over here trying to figure it out. But again, with all that being said, like I've taken so many different routes to my career path. My mom could never say that my sister's the best child or that my mom can never say that I'm the best child. Let me tell you something. My sister is so considerate of my mom in this, you know, in this particular time of our lives. Like my sister's like very, very considerate when it comes to to like my mother's needs and stuff like that. Whereas I am more considerate when it comes to her feelings and emotions. And so even though my me and my sister are both my mother's children, we bring two completely different things to the table. How could she be the best? How could I be the best if we're coming with two different things? Again, just talking about our motivations and why we want to be the best. And is it realistic to hold those hold those standards to ourselves? First Corinthians 9, 24 through 25 says this. Do you not know that in the race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do, excuse me, they do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So then there's this, in that particular scripture, there is this comparison that's made between athletes who ran, excuse me, run races in, in the natural and then those of us as the children of God who are running the spiritual race. Now, here's the difference. In the natural, people run this race because they want what? That medal. And right here, the scripture is saying that it's perishable. Like, it's not going to be worth anything. When you think about eternal life, like, that medal brings you no value. Like, so what that the world says that you ran this 100k in however many seconds or minutes or whatever it's not going to matter in the grand scheme of things but we're running this race this spiritual race and we know that the reward that we receive is never going to perish it's imperishable and so God is telling us so we have to continue running our race and the race that God is calling us to as the children of God it's not to be the fastest it's the one who endures we know that there's other scripture that talks about it's those that will endure that are going to receive the promise and so in the race that we run as the children of God, I'm not looking at anybody else running this race. I'm not looking at the person running to the left of me or to the right of me as a child of God because what I'm looking at is I'm looking at the eternal view of things. All that God is asking of me, the standard that God has called me to is to endure. The hurdles for me in my lane are not even going to be lined up with this at the same points as the hurdles in somebody else's lane. So how dare I in my race as I'm running trying to endure because because God is telling me that he has an imperishable reward for me in life eternal. How dare I look at the person in the next lane and be like, oh, they're behind me. 
who, what is like, does it really matter? Because what if they're behind me and they don't have any hurdles coming up? And I got like, I don't know, maybe another 500 feet worth of hurdles that I have to jump over. Will they always be behind me? No. Or what if it, what if they're behind me because they've already overcome all their hurdles and I haven't reached mine yet? It's very interesting how we love to play the comparison game because that's what the world tells us to do when we bring it into our walk with Christ and we wonder why we experience some of the things that we experience. And today, more than any other time, like depression is at an all-time high, anxiety. Young people are so afraid to walk out in the truth of who they are because they're so worried about are they going to be able to obtain these goals and are they going to be able to walk out in the standards and the expectations that people have placed upon them, that the world has placed upon them, that they've placed upon themselves based on what is displayed in front of them. And so we have to be very careful. Our race is to endure, not to be the fastest, but to endure. And the things that you are going to come across in your life are going to be so vastly different. Even if it's the same circumstance is going to be different. Why? Because the way you perceive things is going to be different. What you believe to be true and how you understand the world, your worldview, your perspective, on things is so different from mine and so we could literally be in the same circumstance and have two completely different experiences because of our personhood the way that our path like the pathways on our brain like literally the difference in the world could be you reading one book and me not reading that book it could be a world of difference on how you interpret it you know certain informations or circumstances excuse me certain information and circumstances so I'm running my race to endure. You're running your race to endure. I can't be caught up in looking at you and trying to be the best or beat your time. Like what? Like That's crazy. Um, Colossians 3 and 17, it says, and whatever you do in word or in do, excuse me, in word or in deed, it does not say do it the best. It says do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the father through him. Here again is another scripture where God's not asking us to be the best. He's saying in everything you do, do it in the name of the Lord. Let it be something that resembles like, or excuse me, that points to the character and the nature of Jesus Christ. So if I'm trying to be better than you, if I'm trying to make more money than you, if I'm trying to if I'm trying to be faster than you in building this business, if I'm trying to be more known than you, if I'm trying to be more recognized or more awarded than you, what does that have to do with the name of Jesus Christ being lifted up? Not at all. That's not the standard. Proverbs 13 and 4 says the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. So what is the scripture saying? Don't be lazy, right? But then on the other side, it says the person who's going to be richly supplied is not the one who's the best. It says it's the one who's diligent. If we go back and look at what the word diligent means, the one diligent is the one who doesn't give up. It's the one that perseveres. Let's talk about businesses. You have this business idea. God has given you this plan. And the only reason why you're stuck and you're paralyzed is because you have been literally mulling this thing over in your brain, looking at all the other businesses that have a similar model to yours. And you're thinking, how can I be better than them? And I'm, I'm wondering if God is, has ever called you to be focused on any anybody else but the plan that he gave you. Like, how can you be consistent and faithful with the thing that God has placed in your hand with, when all your time is spent on trying 
trying to outdo someone else's business plan. That's not what he gave you the business plan for. He never said put your eyes on man or on the standards of man. And the moment that we do that, we get stuck. We wonder why we're paralyzed because God is saying, no, that's not even the way in which I'm trying to go. Like I've given you a plan and a strategy. And as I'm, as I'm ordaining the steps that you should walk in, you want to walk in different steps. Let me tell you something. Man makes a plan, but it is God who ordains his steps. Now, when the steps come, do you know that if you walk outside of the steps that God is trying to align for you, you will not arrive at the destination that he has for you. How do we come to the notion that God gives us this plan and then then when he tries to align our steps and order our steps, we're like, no, God, I don't want to do it like that because I'm so focused on how they're doing it. And because I need to be better than them, which is the world standard. And again, I'm not beating up on us as the believers because I know that we're talking about the world standard and how we come up out of that as the children of God. You're over here trying to say, no, but because these other three businesses that are maybe right in your region, right in your location, they look like they're thriving and you are spending all your time trying to figure out how can I get Get a bigger portion of the pie. Let's look at the world that we live in. I'm going to pause right here. I want us to go back to scripture, but we we live in a country where capitalism is like what rules. And so when we talk about, excuse me, when we're talking about capitalism, capitalism is all about bigger business. Like there are companies out here monopolizing industries, right? They want to be the best so that they can beat out every other similar business. And it is all on the basis of I have to get all the customers. So imagine if there are five businesses with the same model and there are 100 customers. Each business goes into the game saying, I need all 100 customers. Why do we do that? Would it not be logical to think you can be successful with 20, I can be successful with 20, and those other three businesses, they can also get a piece of the pie and be successful with 20 customers. But that's not how we see it because we're not content Right. And so the issue can be greed and um, lack of contentment. Now we're saying, no, in order for me to go into business, if I'm going to start this business, I need to have at least 80 of those customers. Y'all other four businesses, y'all can split up the last 20. Y'all get five or somebody have none and have to shut their business down or whatever. All on the strength of I need to have all the customers. And how does that ever relate? Or even line up with the will of God? Because that's not even how God operates with his children. Like, you think about the children of Israel. Oh my God, like the scripture just came to mind. Even when he brought them into the promised land, he listed off each of the 12 tribes and he gave each of them a plot of land. Could you imagine how crazy and it would have been had he not done that? Because then each of them would have been like, well, how much portion of the land do I get? No, each person has a portion. Like there's enough to go around for everybody. One of my friends said this, um, and I'll never forget it. She said, you know, when you look up at the stars in the sky, no matter how many billions of stars there are, each star has its own place and is able to shine on its own. No star infringes on the ability of another star to be able to shine. I'm going to coin that to Bianca, Bianca Katia. When you watch this, you'll know that I shouted you out. But yeah, she. we, we were talking one day and she shared that revelation and I was like, man, that's so crazy. Like, could you imagine if one star was like, no, I need to be the biggest, brightest star in all of the sky. Like none of none of these other stars should ever be seen because I need to be the best star. And when we look up at the sky, like that's not even how God operates. Look how vast the sky is. There's room for new stars every single day to be lit. And they all have their ability to shine. And so then again, as the children of God, then we get this notion that we need to be the best and we wonder why we're stuck. 
Because God's like, I'm not even a part of that. That's not my standard. And now because you're trying to operate in the world system, according to the thing that I've asked you to do, you cannot take two systems and try to fuse them together and think that you will be successful in the thing that God has called you to as a child of God. You have to lay down the one in order to glorify the other. Like the Bible talks about you can't serve two masters because you'll love one and hate the other. And so then again, when we talk about God's way of doing things, if we don't take up God's way, trying to fuse the way the world does things and trying to bring it into the promises of God for your life, it's going to bring failure. It's going to bring heartbreak. It's going to bring hardship. So let's continue. So it says Proverbs, um, excuse me, I'm sorry, we already read Proverbs. 1 Corinthians 10 and 31, it says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. God is saying, whatever you do, do it unto the glory of God. Ecclesiastes 9 and 10, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom and shield to which you are going. You have no idea, you know, what shall come of everything that you do. And so here God is saying, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. It doesn't say with their might. And a lot of times, again, we're talking about how we operate in trying to be the best. We find out how mighty someone else is. And then we think, oh, I must be mightier than them in order for me to be um, in order for me to be successful in the thing that God has called me to do. And right here, God is saying, um, what does it say? It says, do it with your might, with your measure of strength, with what you already have, with the person that you already are. Do not go looking at somebody else and being like, oh, I need to be a little bit lighter. My hair needs to be a little bit straighter for me to be that world-renowned model. Why do you need to be world-renowned? Like, what is it about? Like, is it not enough that you have a gift? Is it not enough that God has given you an ability? Is it not enough that God has given you a task or a portion of the work in the body of Christ that you feel like you need to be the best again there goes that pride there goes that need for recognition there goes that need for validation that it's not enough that God has given us a task it's not enough that God has given us an opportunity we feel like nah because I need to be killing it in the game like my name needs to be in all the lights and it's just like is can God be glorified at that point because if you're willing to go the extra mile to step outside of the will of God, which is doing things in your might, if you're already going to step outside of the will of God and try to do things in the might of others, right? Comparing yourself and going out and finding how other people do things and then trying to do it in their might or supersede their might so that you can be the best. There's no telling how far you're willing to go to keep those accolades either. And it's so crazy because I think that as the children of God, we think that we would never go so far. We would, we'll, we'll never go so far like, oh no, I love God. So I would never do this or that. One of the things that I learned, like being in college, uh, I learned this little lesson. When they say never say never, truly never say never. Because our heart is deceiving, you never know what you are willing to do. And it's interesting because we think that, oh, I know myself so well. There are just certain things that I would never do. Baby girl, baby boy, in the right circumstance, if you have already practiced this idea of I'll do whatever it takes according to get you know, recognition or affirmation or validation, you never know how far you're willing to go. Let me tell you, because when the enemy comes into play with making you feel like, you know, there's not enough validation or that, you know, you're not esteemed enough or there there's not enough applause for you, you quickly become 
driven by impure motives and then the enemy would blindfold you drag you way out into nowhere have you spend your life doing all these other things and then when those blinders come off you have gone so far you have entertained things that are so far out of God's will for you 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 don't even know how to make it back home if it is not the hand of God that will literally come and save you like been there done that have you ever been in a circumstance that just got too deep too fast and you're like your head is spinning because you're like I don't even know how it got this bad yeah somewhere along those lines like we were blindfolded we didn't even really see how deep the mess was and so we have to be very careful when we have these cravings of validation from man the bible says trust no man like we should do nothing for praise of man like and i don't and this is another thing that god shared with me a revelation that god put on my heart is like just the nature of the human frame is not built to handle glory and praise like it's not even for us and so what ends up happening is is that as human beings when we take in too much praise, when we get into like when we take in too much glory and, and recognition from man or wherever it's coming from, we self-destruct because we're not meant truly we're supposed to be those who are praising and so when we take in all that praise and we're feeding on that, we will combust like we literally blow up spiritually, we blow up because we're not meant to be like taking in glory and praise and honor and no, all that all belongs to God so we have to be very careful when we're trying to ingest certain things that it are not made for this body some of us you like some of us who are like very conscious of our diets you already know how that works there are certain things that you can't eat you already know how to mess with you in certain kind of ways and praise and glory and needing accolades and and to be reverenced and admired and all of that pride like no <laughs> not not for the children of God okay not for anybody really but for us as the children of God who are young and literally lit like we want to reorient our thinking to be like no I really do want to have God's standards as I pursue the things of God so that I can endure in the things that God has called me to amen so then it says it says show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works and in your teaching show integrity and dignity. It doesn't say here again, it doesn't say be the best. It says just show a model of good works and we know that those standards of what are good works is unto God. Is it fruitful? Is it is it blessing anybody? Here we go. A lot of us it's not like when we get into this best run beyond the best goes beyond somebody being blessed when when the bible says that all of heaven rejoices for one like we should take that as an example it doesn't say that heaven has a quota heaven doesn't have a quota first you know for rejoicing it says they rejoice over one who comes into being um saved or into the knowledge of jesus christ as their lord and savior and receiving him in their hearts and so then how do we then put a quota on how much money we need to have or how many customers we need to have, how many followers we need to have, how many friends we need to have, how many accounts we need to have, how many cars we need to have, how many houses we need to have. Like, where do we get these quotas from? Heaven doesn't even have a quota. They rejoice over one soul coming into righteousness because that's the fruit, right? It says, show yourself to be a model of good works. Good works we know in the scriptures is fruitful. Is somebody is somebody being helped? Is somebody being in, brought into the light of Christ? Is somebody being brought into truth? Is somebody understanding the plans that God has for them? Is somebody's life being transformed? If there's one, he's pleased. And then he says, and in your teaching, show integrity, dignity. Walk upright before the Lord. It says nothing here about being the best. Philippians 4 and 3. 
excuse me, 4 and 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So here we are, we're weakened, and, and then God says, you can do all things in the strength that God gives you that comes through Jesus Christ. Okay, so do we know the measure of strength that Christ is going to come in? You don't even know what's required to do the things that God has asked you to do. And I'm saying you, I'm saying all of us as the children of God. We don't even know what's required to step into the things that God has called us and asked us to do. All we know is that when God brings, you know, um, the equipment and things that we need, like we recognize, oh, wow, like, thank you, God, for um, establishing me. Thank you, God, for bringing in what I needed. I didn't even know I needed this. And so then, therefore... How can we measure our strength against others? We don't even know what's required for us to endure our race. We literally go to God and we're like, God, help me to endure. God, help me to know your will. Help me to walk in your way. And at each step of the way, excuse me, each each way along the journey, he, he reinforces us. And so it's very ignorant to then want to build up strength to measure against someone else's proverbs 10 4 and 5 says a slack hand causes poverty but the hand of the what it doesn't say the hand of the best makes rich it says no but the hand of the diligent the one who perseveres makes rich hmm Colossians 3 and 23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. We read something like that already. Titus 3, 1 and 2, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient and to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. Here is the standard of God again being depicted. And it says nothing about the best. It just says be ready. Are you ready for the things that God has called you to? And a lot of us aren't because we're trying to sit here and figure out how can we how we can outdo someone. And again, I'm not blaming us. I'm just saying like we have to get to the point where we assess like what areas of my life have I been calling myself to be the best in? Do I do I feel like I need to be the best preacher? Do I feel like I need to be the best teacher? Do I feel like I need to be the best physical therapist? Do I feel like, oh, you know, in my job, I need to be the best nurse. I need to be the best student. It's not good enough for me to be a good student. It's not good enough for me to be diligent. It's not good enough for me to try to get in all my assignments on time. It's not good enough for me to show up to class and, and, and to be observant or to have my whole mind there. I need to be the best because if I'm not valedictorian, then it's not worth it. I won't do it if I'm not going to get an award. I'm not going to do it if I'm not going to be recognized. I need to be the best house on the block. I need to be the best friend to this person. So then, and a lot of times we do that. We evaluate the relationships that people have with others and we try to outdo those relationships. So then you wonder why you're spent in some of your relationships is because you trying to outdo somebody who ain't even checking for you. All because you heard of what they did. Oh, I need to bring the best gift to the party. Oh, if I'm going to the baby shower, I need to bring, I need to bring the best, the biggest gift because my best friend need to know that she ain't got no other friends better than me. Like, what are you like? Wow, that's not even fruitful at this point because your motives are all wrong. Like you've you've done it for the applause of man. And so when you get the applause of man, the Bible says don't expect nothing else. Like 
when we stand up in the synagogues and we're trying to, oh, I need to be the best at saying these prayers. Okay, when everybody claps it up for you, just know that that's, that's where the reward ends. It's not going to reap any eternal fruit or benefit because you've already gotten the, the, the temporal reward that you were looking for because you were looking for the applause and the validation from man. When you get it, just know that it, that it ends right there. It stops right there. It's not going anywhere else. It says this, um, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. This is the, so, okay. Those of us who have these business plans, these ideas, we have these desires, we have these ministries, we have all these things that we want to do before the Lord. This is what the Lord says in order to get those things established. It does not say, oh, come up with this foolproof business plan that will never fail. So now I need to go look at every business plan that came before my business plan and try to figure out how I'm going to have this niche idea that is better than any idea that has ever come out before and then Oh, then God will help me to establish it. No, he says, if you commit it to me, I'll establish it. And then you think about this too. This just came across my mind when we talk about the, okay, okay, true example. You know, like how patents and things like that work. So let's imagine for just a second that you are an inventor and you spend all your life making all these inventions and then someone comes they find one of your inventions that you did all of the legwork for all of the research for and all this stuff and you put in the effort you saved the money you got the patent you got all the grants and stuff like that that you needed to release this item and then they come along they take your idea they pick it apart and then they change one thing and then here they go running off with your idea and literally this is the world system that we live in because they changed one thing about it. They can show one thing that's different, even though they started off with your plan, your idea, your invention, because they were able to change one thing about it. Now they can claim it as their own. This is literally the system that we live in. So then if we as the children of God are saying, man, like I'm really trying to live my life um, according to the will of God, and I don't want to have any um, misplaced motives or intentions that don't line up with the world of God. We have to be discerning of the world's way of doing things and be understanding of God's standard of doing things so that we can able be able to discern the way of the Lord. Like the Bible says to be as wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove. Be wise that this is how the world operates and the world operates like that. It's not like the world operates like that and they're like out here like, oh, you know, no, we ain't going to bug you. You could do your thing. No, the world operates like that and the world is always trying to draw us in, tempting us to be able to eat off their system, to eat from their way of doing things and to live our lives according to that standard. But we know that because the Bible tells us that we are warring against not flesh and blood, but against principalities, rulers of the darkness, things in high places. Like there's a whole system that wants to defy God's kingdom system. And if we're not smart, we get caught up in that. And then we wonder why we don't see the blessings of God flowing in our life or why we're stuck in certain seasons. And it's just like, have you been feasting off of a different system? Have you been living off of a different way other than what's depicted in the word of God? Let's continue. It says Galatians 6 and 4, but let each one test his own work. And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. Oh my God, please write that one down. Galatians 6 and 4. But let each one test his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. Here in the Bible, God is telling us, be proud of your own word. Are you happy 
like in the work that you've done, that should be enough for you. Don't be going and comparing and being like, oh, my work was good. And then as soon as someone else's work shows up, now we're falling into like depression and all this other type of stuff. Like, because it's like, oh man, I put all that work and effort into it. Now my work is good for nothing. Who said that? Are you listening to the lies of the enemy? Because he's gonna lie. And tell you that your work is good for nothing because it's not the best. Baby girl, baby boy, I don't know what God has called you to. Who cares how many followers you have? Who cares? God can catapult you into his will for your life at any given moment. And he doesn't need the record. He doesn't need like man to do it. If you humble yourself before the Lord, the word says that he'll be the one to exalt you. I'm looking for the exaltation from the Lord. I'm not looking for man to exalt me because let me tell you something. When man puts you on a platform, guess what they do? Rip it right out from under you the moment you stop serving their purposes. So we out here chasing to be the best for who, for what, and will it last? Because what we want, if we want imperishable, eternal, lasting success, it is going to be according to the will of God. It cannot be according to the standards of man, this world system. It, um, Romans 2 and 6, he will render to each one according to his works. We're talking about God who's going to judge the works of man in the end. He looks at our work individually. It, it's, not, it's not even like his scripture saying he's going to line up all of our works. Even in the last days when we go stand up to him for judgment, it's the Bible says let each man work out his own soul salvation. I'm not responsible for nobody else's salvation. And so God is going to judge my works on their own. He's like, eat. my work is going to be lit by fire. Your work is going to be lit by fire. I hope you wasn't checking the way I was doing my work. What if, what if, just what if God gave you a business plan that was similar to mine and then you was checking for the way my business plan was working because you was trying to be the best and then so you came across my business plan trying to outdo my business plan and I did mine according to fleshly works. I mean, I followed whatever I wanted to follow, didn't follow the will of God or nothing. Then you build a business plan off of the strength of you trying to outdo me or the next person and then my work gets lit up by fire and then it comes to nothing. It doesn't shine like pure gold at all. Then you standing behind me in line like, dang, I should have never copied off her work. Yeah, because it looked good in the natural and then it amounted to nothing. And then now, where does that leave us trying to be a copycat? I wouldn't want that for myself and I wouldn't want that for anybody else. Please don't try to copy what I'm doing. Like, And I please like, if you see me out here trying to mm, check me as your sister, like if I'm over here too worried about what other people are doing and how they're doing it, please check me so that we don't fall into this trap. Hmm. Matthew 18, 8 and 9, it says, and if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet to be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes and to be thrown into the hell of fire. So when we're talking about that, and I know that has a different um, context to it, but if we bring it into this, like God is saying, like if there's an aspect of your personhood that's going to cause you to sin, it's better not to have it. And some people will say two eyes are better than one, right? True, but if the one eye is causing you to sin, then it is better that you have one eye. And so when we talk about being the best in the standard that the world puts for us as far as the best, like we have to be very careful because according to the scriptures, you know, 
The standard is not the same. The world standard and God's standards are not the same. And then when we check our motives, yeah, it's pretty. It's very pretty to have two eyes. It is. Like, I like my two eyes and I hope I have them all my life. I'm so serious. But if one is causing me to sin, God is saying, like, child, girl, better you be out here one eye bandit than out here trying to be cute for the saving of your soul. And there are certain aspects of our striving to be the best that really will put our soul in some really compromising places. And sometimes it doesn't look like that, right? Because the world is never going to put it on a platter and offer it to us in that kind of way to say, oh, no, you're going to it's going to cost you your soul. But a lot of our striving that we do in like wanting to be the best, it costs us our soul. When we're stepping outside of the will of God perpetually and when we find a way to walk in the world's way of doing things and then because we've already started in the system, now we have to continue therein because, you know, we need the recognition and the accolades and the applause of man. Then we pursue whatever it is that we're trying to get in that vein and then we stick with it until we get there. Do we know that we've been unraveling the entire time? Will you even make it to getting the award or will you be spent? And then it costs you your soul. The devil never plays fair. Um, Ephesians 2 and 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is of the gift of God. A lot of the things that, that we step into is because it's a gift of God. And if we're not careful, we'll take the gift and we'll manipulate it and we'll pervert it because we're trying to get it to measure up to the world's standard. And then we dishonor God. It says in Hebrews 12 and 14, it says strive for what? To be the best? No. It says what we ought to be striving for is for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. You want to see God in the end? You want to see the Lord? I, I do. It says strive for peace. Luke 6 and 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? We talked about that last week. So many people call upon the Lord, 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 and then in the end he's going to say, depart from me, I don't know you. You weren't obedient. You didn't believe none of the teachings I told you. Because if you would have believed me truly, it's not enough to say you believe. You have to walk in that thing. Hmm. Proverbs 12 and 24, the hand of the diligent will rule while the slothful will be put, excuse me, will be forced to labor. You want to rule? God has called us to have. Now, here's the thing. We know that we're called to have dominion in the earth and God wants that for us, too. But the way in which he says that we'll come to it, he says, be diligent, be diligent in what? In obedience. Once God tells you to do something, just continue doing it. Even when there's challenges, even when there's hardships, even when there's hurdles, like continue doing it. And then you will rule. He's going to bring you into dominion like he already has a purpose and plan for you. Don't listen to nobody else who's trying to get you off your rocker. Don't go chase nobody else. Don't go be trying to out here compare nothing to nobody else thinking like, oh, because this is what's going to bring me into ruling and reigning in the things that God has called me to. No, literally all you have to do is be diligent. Isaiah 41 and 10, and then we're going to close out. It says, 
Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Okay, we're going to do Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. We know this one. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he, of course, we're talking about God here, will make straight our paths. Hmm. Okay, last one, last one for referral. Joshua 1 and 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Be strong. How, how do we be strong? And according to the scriptures, how do we be strong? It says that even in our weakness, you know, God's strength is made perfect. It's in Christ that we're made strong. He says, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We want to be successful as the children of God. And I know success is such a big thing for us because we're young and we're trying to figure it out. But friends, I'm telling you tonight, like God's standard for what is successful. He said, take your eyes off of being the best. It's a trap. It's a trick of the enemy. It's a trick of the enemy to get you to focus on everybody else except for being at my feet and hearing my voice and hearing my guidance and instructions that I have for you so that you can endure in this race and that you can run well because what he wants you to do is finish the work. He has begun a great work in you and the standard is to finish. And if you're too spent because you are so focused on beating other people out and trying to figure out everything else that everybody's doing so that you can rise above them to have the hand, you know, the hand clap and the applause and the validation and stuff like that from man, you may not finish. And so God is saying he's with us all to help us to do this thing. And I know that we've been called to be successful and have dominion in the earth. And I just need us to know that it is for us. And as long as as we endure in the will of God, we will see those things. Be diligent. Don't seek to be the best. Do your best and yield everything that you do unto the unto the Lord God Almighty who called you. If he says, well done, like be content with that. Don't be checking for what nobody else is saying. Maybe turn off some of the comments like who cares? Stop tracking the followers. Who cares? You could fall in, in, in numbers of followers and God be that much more pleased because he sees the eternal fruit that's being reaped in what you're doing. So I love you guys. Thank you for tuning in tonight. Have a wonderful night. Thank you all for watching tonight again. And those of you who are listening to the podcast, tonight we talked about doing your best versus being the best. What is God's standard and what is he calling us to and how can we take our eyes off of flesh and man and yield ourselves to the visions and the plans and the ideas that God has for us. I love each of you and I am praying that it would be in God's strength that we would continue to pursue God and that we would see his goodness in our life and that he would be pleased with all that we're doing. Do your best. You don't have to be the best to do your best. Get in this word. See what the Lord has to say to you and let him be pleased. Let him tell you that he is pleased. Don't look for the applause of man.